Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Lori. We've always thought that the most compelling story strikes the perfect balance between an honest look at the mess of life and the humor that can be found in the mess. To be perfectly honest, we don't really know how to live life without both the humor and the authenticity. Our podcast might be a little bit of whiplash at times. We can spin from hard and deep to humor and laughing on a dime. The hard will be really hard and the truths we share are the ugliest of humanity. We don't intend to make it seem like it's all fine or to pretty up the pain, but we also know that the joy we found is all the more profound because of the pain. So we hope you can stick with us through the ugly because there will also be joy and hope and humor. Welcome to the ugly truth about the girl next door. Hi, welcome back to our podcast, The Ugly Truth About the Girl Next Door. Um, I'm Kate. And I'm Lori. <laughs> You'd think that like 30-something episodes in that we would have like a better I know. a better way to start, but we don't. Um, so today we are talking about why we're naming names. Um, yesterday we posted a video on our social media um, pages that named an offender. Um, a man by the name of Ed Asbach who um, lives, you know, as a Grand Island resident, um, attends both Cornerstone Church and the chapel, actually, um, in Western New York, and um, was someone who abused me. I say that so (laughs) strangely. I know. It's like not at all casual, but um, so today we just want to give like a little bit more information about why we you know, made the video, our timing of the video. Um, I think because we feel like we, there are many people who are so adamant that we should be naming names and why haven't we yet? And then I think there are people who are like, well, let's just be careful. And we understand both ends of that spectrum. Yeah. um, Which is why this is the journey to this place has been like nine months in the making of getting to this place. So just know we understand that it's complicated. Yeah. And I feel like we just want to kind of give a little bit more information about like our motivation here, what our goals are, like what, like, you know, I said to someone recently, it might've even been just you or in my head, who knows? <laughs> um, that like really until you've stood in the place that we are standing, you know, you don't really get to say how we should or shouldn't be doing something. Um, suggestions always, we're always open to suggestions, but criticism and um, kind of harsh comments about what we're doing again until you've stood where we stand right now. Uh, no, no, thank you. <laughs> right, because it is we are doing the very best that we know how to do with what we have to deal with. Yeah, and we hold a ton of information about where we've already been um, right. and what hasn't worked that we haven't really shared. Right, so we've shared snippets here and there of different things like with law enforcement, et cetera. Um, but we are holding all of this knowledge of, you know, so when someone then, you know, it's, it's so complicated. It's so much more complicated than, than we make it sound when we're sitting here, you know, being us (laughs) on our podcast. Um, so we just want to kind of, I guess, go into a little bit, some of that. Um, so why did we name names? Uh, you know, we had said on a previous podcast, I'm so like, oh my goodness, Uh, podcast episode um, that if the threats that have been coming for a long time um, continue to come, that we would just start releasing names. Um, (laughs) 
you know, the goal in saying that was really, I guess, the hope that these men would start to sort of eat each other alive, right? Like that some of these buyers and offenders would maybe go to my parents um, and be like, what in the actual are you doing? Right. You're about to take us all down. Right. Cut it out. Um, So that was kind of the, like the end game there. Um, But unfortunately the threats continued and we did post uh, the most recent threat that came, um, you know, and it's just, it's horrific. Um, And a lot of people have asked us how, how these are unable to be traced. Um, So the threats actually come in a, in paper version. They're not being emailed to me or texted to me or anything like that. So there's not really a trace. Um, And, and they are in the hands of law enforcement. Absolutely. And so it's not that it is not in process of being traced, but again, we said over and over and over about law enforcement. It, it takes time. time. Yep. Well, and it's just complicated. Yeah, it's complicated. And, you know, it it just, it takes time, right? And I mean, I'm finding these threats sometimes at at work. I'm at work. So I walk into work for my day of, you know, <laughs> doing my thing. And I have one of these threats left and it's just, you know, so anyway, it's complicated, but another threat came, um, yeah, another threat came. A terrifying, really creepy, overwhelming, very triggering threat came. So it's scary for all of us who are reading and seeing them. But for Kate, we've said before that the language is very specific and intentional by the offenders to trigger a specific response. Right. Yep. And so it did in fact trigger and it has to stop. So part of why we're naming names is it must stop. Right. But the rest of it is we have been saying right along that this is what we're going to do, that we are done with any kind of neutral response here. Right. And we cannot, we can, we can't operate in this space in a way that is opposite of our integrity. Yeah. This is what we've said. Right. And now we are doing that. And that's what we've been begging, you know, these churches to do is you can't come out of the gate strong and say something and be like, we're, we don't want these people in our building and then kind of slink back in the back door. So we can't do that either. Right. We can't come out of the gate strong and say, listen, if threats continue to come, we're going to start naming names and then not do that because that would be doing the very thing that we're calling people out for. So that's um, one reason. That's one reason. Um, another reason is that uh, the support group that I had mentioned before, um, that I was given the opportunity to become a part of, um, there's these women in the support group who have been through very, very similar experiences, trafficking by their families, many of them through the church, many of them through the evangelical Christian church. Um, ritualistic abuse, uh, just very, very, like when I talk to these women, I feel like I'm talking to myself. It's, it's mind bending. Like there's gotta be a playbook. Right. Um, but the one thing that every single one of them, and many of them are more ahead in their journey than me. Um, you know, they've already gone through civil litigation or they've gone through talking to the media or they've gone through going public, you know, whatever. And the one thing they've gone through law enforcement (laughs) And the one consistent theme that they continue to say to me is the best way to stay safe 
um, because many of them were also receiving threats repeatedly, even after leaving the trafficking situation, after moving across the country, they are continuing to receive threats. And the one thing that they said, the way to stay safe is to be as loud for as long as you can about what's going on, to pull it all out into the light and make everybody know that you're not the little kid in the quiet, dark closet anymore. So that's another reason. <laughs> a very important reason. Yeah. Right. If this is the way, a path to safety. Right. We're all about it. Well, yeah. And I mean, like we talked about with the threats kind of triggering that, that part of me, right. The language is intended to trigger. Um, a freeze response. Yeah. That response of like, oh my God. Yeah. Like we don't talk about this. We, we put it all away. We put it in the secret. It happens in, in secret. And, you know, so doing the exact opposite of what it triggers is a really important thing for me. I say that like, I know what I'm talking about, <laughs> but you do because you, like I can talk about the clinical piece of it, but you can talk about the experience of it, that it is so hard to pull free of the gravitational pull of all that history and programming. But when you successfully do it, so talk a little bit about what's the internal reaction to that. Yeah. I mean, when we first post something, like when we first post a threat, most, a lot of the threats we've like blacked out because I like physically, emotionally, mentally cannot like stand the idea that like the wording that triggers me would now be out in the world, like, because I hear it in a certain way. Um, this last one, we didn't black it out and, um, I like physically felt sick after we posted it. Like I, I literally feel sick because I know what it means. And I know that the rest of the world doesn't know exactly what it means, but I do. And so it's just this icky feeling of like, oh my God, like, don't look at me. <laughs> because it's tied to specific awful memories. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it feels like I'm the one in trouble and I'm the one feeling all those like shame feelings. And I hate that word, but you know what I mean? but it's the truth. Um, hit me. And then when we see the response to it, it's like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but it's like, oh, people are angry at them, not at me. Or people are outraged by them, not at me. People are, um, are looking at the threat, you know, and being, um, Oh, I don't even know. There's not really great words for how it feels, but it is like an undoing kind of feeling. Like it un it it breaks some takes, of the yeah, tangle. Yeah, it takes some of that feeling of just like I don't want anyone to read this and puts it aside for it to be like I don't know. It it breaks the tangle. Yeah. Well, I think what you're trying to describe is that as sickening and terrifying and shaming that feeling as that is when it has the opposite response you feel um seen and cared about and empowered yeah i don't like any of those words but yeah because <laughs> i don't there's there's just so much tangled up in all of that but yeah it is like an undoing it's like a just um like I'm not the one that needs to feel mm -hmm. like you have to hide guilty and dirty and all of that. Right. Yeah. Like I have to hide, but, um, I don't know, but every time I leave a threat, 
that's still the feeling that I get. So, mm -hmm. um, so what I say all the time is that when we're trying to heal something, it's not like somebody flips a switch. It's more like a dimmer, right? So the question isn't, oh, am I all better now? Do I not feel those feelings? It's, are the feelings happening less often? Are they less intense? And is my recovery from those feelings faster and more complete? So if the answer to those things is yes, you know you're moving in the right direction. Mm -hmm. So less often, less intense, faster, more complete recovery. That's what we're going for. Is it? That is what we're after. <laughs> yes. Let's see. Okay. Check, check. Okay. I'm just kidding. You know I had to make a joke there. Of course you did. <laughs> all, all the clinical things result in joking. That is how that goes. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Um, okay. So that's another reason. Um, thirdly, you know, we have, every time we've alluded to someone being involved or we've kind of described an offender or, you know, saying it without saying it, um, we receive a lot of peripheral information. Um, I mean, we receive a lot of peripheral information just anyways, but people message us, they come to us and say, you know, I don't know if this person was involved, but X, Y, and Z. And, I don't know, nine times out of 10, the person was involved. <laughs> yeah. Um, not always, but it's, you know. Almost always. Really. Yeah. Especially within the church. Like when it's, when we're talking mm -hmm. about like Grand Island and Cornerstone Church, a lot of times it's like, ugh, yeah, they've been on the list. The other thing I want to say about that is like these offenders have been like on a list, you know, I guess I'm air quoting as if anyone can see me um, uh, for way, way, way much longer than really even the podcast. But let me just address that because people that that whole idea of a list being out there has been something that has been a little bit of a hot button issue. Okay. Right. So I think we have to say it is a list that you and I have had. Yes. Where we've oh, been God, writing yes. down names, but mm -hmm. not a list that we have shared in the broader context. No. In the beginning of the podcast, we were asked specifically, please tell us if there is anyone in our building who has access to the vulnerable children, vulnerable people. We absolutely address that as best we could, knowing who might be in the, particularly the chapel and cornerstone. That does not mean that they were given a list or had an exhaustive knowledge of who Kate's offenders were. Yeah, or that we had an exhaustive no. knowledge of who was even still in their building. I mean, there's a ton of there's a ton of people that I was shocked to hear don't attend those mm -hmm. churches and a ton of people that do and that I didn't know still did. So um, yeah, it's, we also keep saying this list, you know, whatever is not an exhaustive list. I mean, I would really like to stress the fact that there were, this is decades. So tens, tens of years. Tens that of is years. what decades means. Yeah. I know. I know that I was trying to like, <laughs> Shut up. um, okay. So like a lot of years of, different offenders, different people, you know, there's a multi-system thing going on here. Um, there's no way like, you know, the people on our quote list is not exhaustive. I always say to people, you know, if I didn't know them personally, like in the bright world, I probably didn't know their name. It doesn't mean they weren't an offender. I mean, there was a ton of offenders that I just didn't know their name. Um, and you know, so there's that. And then there's also just the fact that, um, yeah, it's just a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people. And it takes time to unpack 
all of that, all the specifics of that. And one box that opens leads to another box that opens. But I will say that I have never and will never name an offender that I am, I won't name an offender to investigators, to law enforcement, probably even to Lori, unless I am a thousand percent sure. Like have the memory can live it out, you know, explain it, talk about it. I will never, ever name an offender that I am not a thousand percent sure on. That's why the list is not exhaustive because there's a ton of offenders. And when we say the word offender, we mean buyers, right? My parents, Ron and Wendy Cook, they're the traffickers, right? My grandparents, the traffickers. But when we're talking about offenders, we're talking about buyers. So people who were involved in the abuse, people who paid for the abuse. That's what we're talking about when we say that. Because I feel like that's been a confusing point as well. Um, But there were a ton of them. I mean, this was a a weekly, sometimes daily occurrence of my life for decades. So there's a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of buyers. The list that we have are is a list of names that I am a thousand percent sure on. Because, and can articulate details. Yes, can articulate detailed memories of these specific men um, who came to do these things. Um, so I just want to be very clear on that because this is not like a a recovered memory. Not right. there's anything wrong with any of that, but this is not what that is. So right. Um, and if you, you know, go back and listen to the How I Know episode because all of the disclosures fall into the category of the things that I say in the how I know. Yeah. So when we allude to specific people, we get a lot of peripheral information. A lot of times that information, people think they're just sending us like a snippet, like, hey, I don't even know if this matters, but here you go, ends up being like really important and like, okay, tell us more. <laughs> um, so it's another reason to kind of, you know, okay, for instance, when we ask these churches to have these offenders not be sitting in their pews anymore um, to take that hard stance. When we don't name the offender, it's hard for us to know whether or not that's happened because we don't exactly trust that the church is doing it right. We're not saying that they're doing it wrong, but we just, we don't know. And so that's also another reason to kind of start doing that. The reason why we don't just release the whole list. Can we talk about that? (laughs) Let's do that. It's also because those are cards that we're holding for safety, right? Like we, to just show our entire hand at this point um, is it takes away a level of, of protection for me. Um, So yeah. And people keep asking us about law enforcement's involvement and it is important for everybody to recognize we are also actively working through that. How do we balance the need for safety today and therefore disclosing information with the need to not get in the way of the investigation. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And law enforcement takes time, which we, we said it once, we said it a thousand times. Um, yes. So yeah, we're just, we're trying to balance a lot of things right now. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the reality that we fully understand that this is a hot mess. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Like this, the stuff that the responses to the video and the responses to the threats that are being posted, people are appalled, they're frightened, they're angry, they're all the things. And we know that it is making a, just, I don't know, stirring the pot really significantly. 
we also know that there's a lot of um, innocent people who are stuck now in the fallout. Yeah. And we try so hard to not make that be the case. Um, We've tried so hard to not let that happen. Um, Okay. When you say innocent people, who do you mean? I mean, like, the children of these offenders. I mean, like, spouses who weren't complicit or didn't know. I mean, family members and friends. You know, there's people who have lost relationships and friends um, and over this. And who are also, like, horrified that they somehow missed it. Yeah. Right? So trying to come to terms with, we know that it is very hard to come to terms with, hold on. This person that I thought was a friend, Mm -hmm. that I maybe thought was a little quirky, but I never would have considered this to be possible. uh, That doesn't make sense. Yeah, no, there's been a ton of that, a ton of just, you know, people really struggling. And we know that we completely know that and we're not blind to it. We're not, you know, everything that we do, we do with that in the back of our mind of, yes, we're going to go hard after these offenders and, you know, whatever, but we are trying to be um, sensitive to, you know, we, we really have tried to be as careful as above possible. reproach yes. and careful as we possibly can be. I mean, we literally could have fought this way, way dirtier. dirtier than we have, you know, and we haven't intentionally because of that, because we want to maintain integrity and because we want to do this the right way. Um but we are also holding a huge mess. So, right. And can we just say that we have tried, we tried before we ever got to this point where we are doing a podcast. Oh my gosh, we begged, Mm -hmm. we begged for help from the very systems that should have responded in ways that would have prevented the need for a podcast. That would have prevented the need for a public outcry. It should never have come to this. Yep. Yeah, we tried to find a tidier way to do it, a tidier way to achieve safety, to get somewhere. Um, And honestly, a lot of that was the church, right? We went to the church and they failed. We, we, we went to the chapel long before we ever did a podcast um, and asked for help. Uh, The biggest, the largest church in Western New York, we asked them for help. Um, You know, this is what's going on. These are the threats that are coming to us you know, please help. And they had the resources and the power to help and chose not to. They made an active choice to lukewarm, take a neutral stance and not help. And that lukewarm response was after a significant amount of time of waiting for them to figure it out. Yep. Um, And then it was not a lukewarm response when the counseling pastor stood on the platform and said how glad he was to be in fellowship with Kate's parents. Right. Which has he personally perhaps apologized? Okay, yes, apologized, but it took a couple tries. But the church itself has still apparently stands by its position and the way that it handled things. Oh yeah, I know that they they did their best. Hindsight is twenty twenty, is what they like to say. They would do nothing different if they had it to do over again. Right. So they failed, right? So we tried to not have a podcast. We try. I mean, we've always said going public was never our intention. Um, bringing this out like this is never what we wanted. We, Lori and I didn't wake up one day and be like, you know what? We would just like super want to be podcasters. If you saw us podcasting right now, you would be like, you're so dumb. 
because we do not look like we're not like cool or anything. So, so one of the investigators asked us this week, so do you have a studio space where you do it? We're like, no. We're like, no, we like sit on a couch with a microphone on a pillow. So, so this was not the plan. This no. was never the plan. No. But we were left with no other choices. Right. And and churches, not just the chapel, have repeatedly failed, right? We gave Forest View Church in Niagara mm-hmm. Falls a chance to do it right. And they didn't. Centerpoint Church in, I think, Chictawaga, a chance to do it right. And they didn't. Um, and now here we are with Cornerstone, right? And um, we're, we're working through that, right? They, they did do the right thing. And they hired this investigative team, um, TBD, on that, I guess. Um, but it, there's it's taken so much fighting and so much effort and it has taken our public platform to get anybody to do anything right so podcasting was not our first choice and yet it has also kept us the safest and has also been our most successful attempt at doing what we need to do again i go back to the women the support group they've all been here before they've all tried to work with law enforcement they've all seen how long that takes they've all seen the mess that it creates they've all seen the churches fail and every single one of them says, be as loud as you can for as long as you can. That is the way that this goes. And that's what we're finding, right? right? And that is what we are doing. Um, so the good news is that both the chapel and Cornerstone have told us that they have removed Ed Osbach mm-hmm. um, and that they have removed other named offenders. Mm-hmm. So yay. But the fact that it has taken so much energy, honestly... When we talk about healing, we are putting so much energy into safety and bringing, dragging this into the light that trying to find time to do the healing work, it's crazy to be able to figure out how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. This is like a full-time job. It should not be this hard. It really should not be this hard. And we've said this repeatedly. Um, But we do, we do acknowledge that there's fallout. And so, um, but I think we have to say too. Bottom line is we are not responsible for the fallout. The only people responsible for the fallout and the mess are the offenders, mm-hmm. right? There are complicit, both actively complicit and passively complicit, right? People who are also responsible for some of the fallout. But bottom line really is that the offenders are the people doing the bad things and causing this whole mess. Right. We are just simply talking about it. Right. And that makes people upset and it should make us upset. We right. should be very upset. Knowing right. That this but is when you're on. upset... Instead of coming at us for talking about it, go talk to your church leaders. Go talk to your senator. Go talk to your law enforcement people in your community, right? We're we're bringing it out into the light, but we're not the ones creating the mess. The offenders created the mess. The offenders are the ones leaving the threats. The offenders are the ones that would like to keep this in secret and in hiding. So when you feel upset that this is a, that there's fallout from this, Go talk to your church leaders who haven't done it right, who took forever to do it right, or who did it right, but only after fighting. Go and talk to them and ask why now there has to be a public platform for this. Right. And ask them why they've yet to apologize. Yeah. So, you know, we say all of that um, with the fallout and all the reasons why we are doing what we're doing, um, why we are being bold and why we are coming out of the gate strong. Um, But we also want to encourage people to be bold with us, right? Um, You know, we've talked about people giving us peripheral information, even stuff that seems small sometimes is 
wildly excellent information to know or corroborates information that I've already shared with law enforcement or investigators, right? Um, Which is huge. It's huge. Yeah. Little details that corroborate things that I've already said is huge. So, um, you know, for those of you who want to see justice, who want to see these people taken down, those are the things that are ultimately going to build a case and work in our favor. So please stand up and be bold. Can we talk about the boldness thing though? Because I think both of us, neither one of us are naturally inclined to this kind of boldness. Oh my God. No. No. Yeah. Like, okay. Obviously both of us are actually fierce advocates for the vulnerable, even like Mm -hmm. totally apart from this. That is how we have both operated in our lives. But I've said it many times. I am by nature, a middle child peacekeeper. My natural inclination is not for conflict. No, and yeah. You you have been programmed to be cooperative. Mm-hmm. I'm also not very like conflict oriented. Like, mm-hmm. okay, an example, like at work, if I have to call a family and tell them that their loved one um can't have something or we can't as a facility like do something for them, it's hard for me to do that. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I don't I don't naturally like to I I am capable right. of doing it and I, you know, do it, do it when, when it is something that, and I will hundred percent call an insurance company or call, you know, a different mm. provider and, um, and fight <laughs> no, and fight for my, you know, my patient, my resident who again is a, in a vulnerable space. I mean, I literally just like the other day spent two hours on the phone with Verizon trying to get them to put up a, a phone in my resident's room because it's a quality of life issue. I will fight with anybody all day, every day for that. But I don't love to create conflict when I, when it's uncomfortable. So yeah, this is not a space that's like very great for us. <laughs> no, but when it comes down to the question of, are you going to do what's right and be a voice for the vulnerable and step into the space that could be helpful? My attitude has always been, you're either part of the solution or you're part of the problem. Right. And that has motivated my peacekeeper part to keep going forward, even when I don't really feel like it, Mm -hmm. because I refuse to be a part of the passive cooperator when there is a vulnerability on the line. Right. I just won't. So please join us in that. Be motivated. Recognize that at the end of your life, at the end of the day, are you going to be able to ask yourself, did I do everything I could to bring good stuff about? Or was I too afraid to just take a messy stand? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's the conversations that it's like, you know, so-and-so said this, but, you know, stays between us or whatever. That's, that's really hard because it's like, that's gold information and I can't use it because we have also, um, again, in keeping with our integrity, we have never and will never share anything, post anything, give to anyone information that comes to us that we do not have the permission or the consent from that person to share. We just won't. Um, so don't be afraid to share something with us because that is our commitment to you. Yeah. We will not share what you tell us without your permission. Yes. And we are strongly urging you, begging practically yeah. to be brave and be bold and give us permission yeah. to share that. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. 
Um, and even if it's like off the record or if it's like I want to be anonymous, you can share it with the investigators or you can share it with law enforcement, right. but I want to be anonymous. That's okay too. Right. Um, but we just, we need people to be bold and to come directly, you know, to us. Right. Um, so we also are not trying to trigger any vigilantes or violence or mobs or stalking. Yeah, none of that. Right. Um, if and when the day comes where something like a peaceful protest or you know whatever is is uh, makes sense and is needed, we will be more than happy to include all the people that are like fully on fire for this in that because we we love that we love that you're fully on fire for it um and we're thankful for that fiery support but there are a few people who have maybe crossed the line in that and we definitely 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 do not um condone violence so hate is not the antidote here right the the antidote to vi to abuse and aggression is not hate no it is justice it is boundaries it is protection it is lots of things but hate is not a solution to anything no we're looking for safety here safety for the community safety for kate safety for everyone right justice yes but that is not the primary goal here right um we're also we want to make a point that offenders that we name or that we talk about um are not necessarily the the direct people leaving the threats. Um, so Ed Asbeck, who we named, um, I can't say he's not leaving the threats. I don't know. Um, but we're not saying that he is, (laughs) we don't know. Um, so I guess the explanation to that is, um, my dad owns a small business, um, on Grand Island and he has just people on his payroll. He has, this is kind of how these things operate. And we have not really super explained, like the business end of the trafficking, I think publicly, but, um, high level, you know, there's just always people kind of on his payroll, but like not on his payroll kind of thing. Um, people who hang out at the shop, a ton of people who owe him favors because it's like a favor for a favor type of thing. Um, and so we, we truly, you know, we have pictures of, of men who've left, um, threats on my, at my house because we have cameras on our house now. Um, we don't necessarily know all of them who they are and there's multiple, right? I mean, there's right. been multiple pictures that we've, that we've been able to capture. We know who some of them are. We definitely know who some of them are. Um, but we don't, we're not saying that all the offenders that we are naming are people creeping around my backyard. Um, they, the offenders they're like above that. Yeah. They're, <laughs> if you think of the food chain, they're yeah, above that. They're perhaps above on the that. food chain. Yes. Yeah. They, the offenders that we are naming are the people that are, that were actually actively involved in participating in my abuse. Right. So I guess we want to be able to explain that uh, the way Kate thinks about it, the way we think about it and talk about it is like levels of abuse, which, okay, this is super triggery. And for anybody who, I don't know, it's just hard to even talk about it this way, but think of it like a one to five scale. Like in this situation, in Kate's specific situation, a one would be more like basic trafficking, which is horrifying to think that basic sex trafficking as a child could possibly be a level one. But in Kate's reality, that was the most benign experience that she had. 
So that level one progresses all the way up to a five, which is more the sadistic ritualistic abuse that really happened was tied more into the church. Um, and there's mostly what we're doing is we're targeting the three and up offenders, not because the others don't matter, because let's face it, without buyers, there would not be traffickers. There would be no business in it. Kate has said many times, like we're all worried in our culture about the drug selling and like talking about that. But Kate has said like drugs are a product that you sell and that's it. It's no, you have to make more in order to get more in order to sell more. That's not true in sex trafficking. Um, so yes, the buyers matter, but in this circumstance, we're mostly targeting the traffickers and the people who are more directly involved in it. Um, and also because the level of danger that the offenders that are three and up, they represent, yeah. they are scary people. They are just evil. Yeah. I think the levels really uh, are a good way to describe it to the public so that I don't have to describe right. the abuse to the public because that's a lot for me to have to do. Um, but yeah, a level one is not um, just like a skeevy guy who like, I don't even know how to describe that. But a level one for me is a man who came and paid for sex with a child. That's a level one. That's the best the best situation. Um, and it goes up from there. So just to be very clear on that, I guess, because, um, yeah, it's, you know, I think that's important for people to understand the scale so too. of what yeah. you experience. Right. And again, just the danger, right. People read the threats and they're baffled and like the threats are like obviously horrible and obviously triggering, but like, my God, it's, it's a piece of, you know what I mean? Like it's, I don't know. It's a piece of paper that represents a really horrible thing. Yeah. Right. Um, so they're not shocking to you because it is no. consistent with right. your experiences. Right. And these are also not people who are lunatics. Like that's the other thing I want to point out is that the type of offender that we're dealing with, and we've talked about this a little bit before, but is really closer to something of like, these like level three and up, right? They're not just like skeevy pedophiles who like look at porn in their basement. Like these are people who are closer to the level of like serial killers, sociopathic type of people. Which means they can more readily hide in plain sight yeah. because they can pull it off better. They can change who they are at the drop of a hat, depending on who they're talking to and what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen it happen. I have literally witnessed a man doing level five, you know, abuse on Saturday and then on Sunday in church be raising his hands to the, you know, worship music, whatever. Disgusting. I have literally witnessed that change of person. So um, I don't know that everybody is super aware of, of that type of that type of person exists, you know, outside of Dateline. Um, right. Like we know theoretically that person exists, yeah. but it's hard to fathom how they could be right there yeah. next to us. Yeah. But that's who we're talking about here. Right. Um, so there's a lot more names. Um, again, like I said, I would never, will never, have never put a name on our list quote. I, the list is like, I hate referring to it like that no. because I don't know why it just feels, I don't know, a certain way. And I'm laughing about it, of course. Okay. Um, but our list, um, 
that I'm not a thousand percent sure about, that I do not have a direct memory that I can describe, um, you know, accurately. Um, but there are a lot of names on a list that I can describe accurately that I do have direct memories of these men, men that I knew in the bright world, you know, that I could identify in church on Sunday or, you know, when they came over to my house because they're friends with my parents or whatever people in the bright world. There's a lot of them that I can directly have memories and describe the memories on the list. Um, so we will say it again. If the threats continue, um, we will just keep doing this. We will just keep dropping names and we will just keep bringing it all out into the light. Um, So anyone listening, (laughs) if you would like to not be publicly named or not have to worry about being publicly named, you might want to get together with your partners and tell them to cut the crap. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, All of these names are also recorded. Um, You know, we talked at one point about the safety packet that we have. that details all of the abuse. It details each of the offenders that we know names of um, and all the reasons why I fear for my life. (laughs) Um, All of that and those specific names are recorded in the video that we made um, and also in the safety packet that a lot of other people hold. Um, So just for anyone who's curious (laughs) on that. The the question here is whether or not those will be made public through a reel or on our podcast. Right. Yeah. So So. that's it. I think it's been a, it's been a week, but yeah, here we are. Okay. Well, thanks for listening. Follow us. Yeah. Thank you so much for all the support. It means everything. Absolutely. Yeah. If you or someone you know is stuck in a trafficking situation and needs help, please reach out to the National Human Trafficking Hotline by calling 1-888-373-7888 or text HELP, H-E-L-P, to 233-733.